press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Monday, November 14. Japan wants to host Australian nuclear submarines and to cooperate with the powerful AUKUS alliance with America and Britain. That's the pitch from Japan's ambassador to Australia, Shingo Yamagami. He'll say in a speech today, Australia's acquisition of nuclear submarines is critically important for regional security and will allow for more joint naval exercises between Canberra and Tokyo. A hugely significant regional meeting today in Bali at the G20 meeting. America's Joe Biden and China's Xi Jinping will hold a much-anticipated summit. Anthony Albanese is also hoping to meet President Xi and has already spoken with President Biden and China's Premier Li Keqiang at the ASEAN meeting in Cambodia. I'd make the point about President Biden and uh, President Xi meeting that dialogue between people is always positive. Out of dialogue comes understanding and we need more, not less. A stunning result for the Democrats in the US midterm elections. Even as Donald Trump prepares to announce his candidacy for the 2024 election, Joe Biden's party has surprised nearly everyone by retaining control of the Senate and even, just possibly, the House of Representatives. In just a moment, we'll unpack how it happened and what it means. We have a huge projection to make. Look at this. The projection in the high-stakes battle for the United States Senate. CNN now projects that Democrats will keep control of the United States Senate, holding on to the majority they narrowly, narrowly won two years ago. By flipping just one Senate seat, the Democrats have rewritten political history in the United States and maintained control of the upper house. I'm joined now by Richard Ferguson, who's the Australian's chief of staff. Richard, a few days ago, we were all expecting a red wave or even a red tsunami in the United States. Why did it not happen? Well, Claire, there are two issues that seem to have decided this midterm election. One is abortion and two is Donald Trump. On abortion, the Supreme Court's decision to strike down Roe versus Wade, the 1970s court decision which allowed all women the right to an abortion in America, created a visceral reaction in both female voters and millennial and Gen Z voters. We saw them out in huge numbers. We also saw a lot of measures to either secure the right to an abortion or stop attempts to ban abortion voted down in kind of state-by-state referendums. And then secondly, there was Donald Trump. He chose candidates who supported his claims that the 2020 election was stolen and who promised to support him in the next Republican primaries. And because of that, we had a bunch of, quite frankly, fringe candidates get up when good, solid Republican candidates, former governors, current governors, former cabinet members, etc., they didn't run because they knew that they couldn't, with their hand on their heart, claim that Joe Biden was the illegitimate president. And therefore, you got people like Dr. Oz, the celebrity doctor who was made famous by Oprah Winfrey running in Pennsylvania. He was beaten by five points and lost that seat for the Republicans to John Fetterman, a Democratic lieutenant governor who can barely speak after a stroke several months ago. So just across the board, we have seen Donald Trump's preferred candidates do badly 
But other Republican candidates who are more distant from Donald Trump, like the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, they did quite well. And in fact, Ron DeSantis turned Florida, a state which is almost always 50-50 in any vote possible, he turned it into a Republican landslide. So the message is clear. Where Republicans were a bit more distant from Trump, they did okay. Where Trump was essentially on the ballot and his candidates were on the ballot, they did very, very badly. One outlier is J.D. Vance. Our listeners would know him as the author of a powerful memoir, Hillbilly Elegy, about America's rural poor. In our family, I make breakfast. But since Biden took over, breakfast and everything else is much more expensive. Tim Ryan could have stopped this inflation, which is killing the middle class. He initially rejected Donald Trump and then paid his dues at Trump's feet to get his endorsement for the Ohio Senate race. The great people of Ohio are going to send J.D. Vance to the United States Senate. Now he's been elected. So what does his story tell us? Well, J.D. Vance got elected because Ohio has turned into a very solid red state. But he does have some problems. Tim Ryan, the Democratic candidate, a former congressman who used to always cause trouble for Nancy Pelosi, ran a very good campaign. That race was a lot closer than J.D. Vance would have wanted. Um, J.D. Vance ran significantly behind Mark DeWine, the Ohio governor who was re-elected in a landslide and has never been an ally of Trump's. So in many ways, J.D. Vance, even though he succeeded... He could have had an easier election if he'd stayed away from Donald Trump. He actually probably made things harder for himself by going near Donald Trump. If you want to do well, Trump might not quite be your ticket to success. We're hearing that Donald Trump is due to announce his candidacy for the next presidential election as early as Tuesday. How certain do you think that is? And uh, does he have any chance now in today's Republican Party? I think Donald Trump always has a chance because, remember, the entire Republican establishment was against him in 2015, 2016, although they might be more virulent in their opposition this time. The problem for Donald Trump is that there is still the Georgia runoff. So even though Democrats have control of the Senate 50-50 with the win of Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, securing the chamber for them, it is still good to have that buffer of 51 seats rather than 50 and using Kamala Harris, the vice president, as the tiebreaker. So they would quite like to win the Georgia runoff between the Democrat Raphael Warnock and the Republican Herschel Walker. The problem seems to be that if Mr. Trump were to announce his campaign this week, that might actually hurt the Republicans in that runoff and make things a lot easier for the Democrats. Does this make it certain that it will be Biden in 2024 against either DeSantis or Trump or whoever the Republicans put up? Definitely, there's a huge spring in Joe Biden's step. There's clearly a coalition that is energised to keep him in power, even if it is just to keep Donald Trump out of power. It is very hard to see any other Democrat that would hold together that kind of coalition of progressive and moderates and moderate Republican, especially moderate Republican women, as well as Joe Biden. So things are definitely, but Joe Biden chances of remaining president up to the age of about 86, which is just mind-blowing, have definitely improved. Richard Ferguson is The Australian's Chief of Staff. 
Coming up, three men accused of shooting down MH17 face a kind of justice. Stay with us. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. This week, we'll get a verdict in an international criminal trial that's been quietly underway in the Netherlands for two and a half years. It's examining one of the most shocking acts of terrorism in our lifetimes. The conflict between Russia and Ukraine may have claimed the lives of more than 300 innocent air travellers. The shooting down of Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 killed nearly 300, including 38 from Australia. Our Europe correspondent Jacqueline Magnay has been following the trial. Jack, who's on trial and what are they accused of? Well, we have four Russian separatists, uh, three are Russian citizens and one is a Ukraine man, but very much a a pro-Russian fighter. They're on trial for the murder of 298 people who were killed when MH17 was shot out of the sky, allegedly by a missile. There were 38 people on that plane who considered themselves to be Australians that was fired from the rebel-held area in eastern Ukraine. And this happened back in July in 2014. So it's taken a long time to get to this point to bring justice for such an incredible crime. We all know what's happening in Ukraine now, but back in 2014, Vladimir Putin was just starting with reclaiming what he says is Russian territory. Here's what Putin said at the time. This tragedy would not have happened if there had been peace on that land or if military operations in southeastern Ukraine had not been renewed. These people were associated with something called the Donetsk People's Republic, fighting in eastern Ukraine just months after Russia had annexed Crimea and the Donbass region. So is the allegation that they were under orders from the Kremlin? Well, yes, the separatists were certainly acting on behalf of Russia, defending, you know, Russian belief that they should, you know, have control of this Donbass area. They are Russian speakers in the area. It's right on the border with Russia, so, and historically was part of Russia. So, uh, very strong cultural ties to Russia. But what has come out in the court is that the commander, one of the men on trial, Igor Gherkin, who is actually at the moment fighting for Russia on the front lines. But back in 2014, he was the Minister of Defence for the Donetsk People's Republic. And he was the key man that basically was the link man to Moscow, where when the rebels required tanks and and machinery and ammunition and and weaponry, he organised for that to be delivered. And so very much so that Russia was supplying military aid to this area because it was in their interests, one, for it to be destabilised, but two, also to have it 
reclaimed as part of Russian territory. So, Jack, there are phone intercepts that have been tendered to the court. What do they tell us about the moments and days before the plane was shot down? Well, there's 150,000 phone intercepts. So the Ukrainian intelligence service was very active monitoring these rebels at the time. It shows that these four men on trial, Igor Gurkin and his deputy, Dubinsky. Dubinsky was a former intelligence officer in the Russian military and he was head of intelligence for the Donetsk Republic. It shows that they were discussing the need very much so for an aircraft defence system because they were being shot out of the sky by the Ukrainian fighters, uh, you know, the Air Force. The rebels didn't have aircraft, but in the four months leading up to the MH17 disaster, they managed to bring down 12 Ukrainian helicopters and four aircraft with various air defence systems that believed to be provided from Russia. So they wanted more. They wanted a book missile. And just the day before the book arrived, they'd specifically requested it. It arrived pretty quickly. That night, 10 rebels were killed by a Ukrainian fighter plane. So when the book arrived, they thought that all their Christmases had come at once. They were very excited. Unfortunately, as we know, we believe that the book was fired mistakenly, believing that it was a fighter plane that they were aiming at and not a commercial airliner. What's the reality of any penalty that this court could actually impose, Jack, given that the accused aren't even there? Well, they are being tried in absentia and if they are found guilty, then it would be a life sentence. But of course, there are no extradition treaties between Ukraine and Russia or the Netherlands and Russia. And so the Russians are not going to give up these men at all. That just gives the families, I think, a sense that it's being taken seriously, even though they know that these men won't be brought to the Netherlands and be placed under any kind of jail in the short term. Jacqueline Magnay is The Australian's Europe correspondent. The Victorian election enters its frantic final fortnight today with both parties throwing policies at voters in their formal launches over the weekend. You can find out who's promising what right now at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.